Welcome to the One Love, One Faith podcast, where we use the love of Christ and faith in his word to navigate Christian living in the 21st century. Remember to follow us on all social media platforms at One Love underscore One Faith. Hey out there. Hola a todos. It's Camille. And you're listening to the One Love, One Faith podcast. Bienvenidos. Okay, so I'm sure that you have noticed something very, very different about today's podcast. And that is that it is only my voice. And my dear, my dear, dear co-host is not here. And yes, that is going to be our fate today. Oh my goodness. It's just me, guys. Okay, so unforeseen circumstances. Arinthia couldn't be here, but we are going to have this episode nevertheless, okay? We're not going to let you down. We're still putting out an episode this week. Uh, welcome to episode 60, and it is a Between the Verses episode, and we're still going to go in. We're going to go in on God's Word, and we miss you, Orinthia, but uh, we had to give the One Love Nation what they deserve this week, and that's an episode. <laughs> okay, so as I said, it's a Between the Verses, and our topic today is Fatal Attraction. Fatal attraction. What do you think it is? Okay, so definitely a relationship story. It's about Samson and Delilah. Fatal attraction, Samson and Delilah. Bonus fact, it's my best friend's favorite Bible story. So, hey, bestie, this one's for you. Alrighty, let's dive in. So, this fatal attraction between Samson and Delilah would not exactly be what we call hashtag relationship goals today. This is definitely not a healthy relationship. And if Samson were a superhero, you know, with his super strength, if he were a superhero, then Delilah is his kryptonite, okay? Arinthia would say this is a toxic relationship. Delilah's name means delicate, and Samson's name means like the sun. What do you guys think Delilah was like? I I don't know. I'm thinking, you know, obviously she was obviously she was beautiful. Samson saw her and, you know, fell in love. Uh I believe she was beautiful. I believe that she also wanted uh what's the word? You know, recognition and status, okay? Because of because of what she was willing to do <laughs> to Samson. You know, I don't know. She just obviously was like, all right, I'm gonna get mine, you know, at whatever cost. She was using Samson, as we'll as we'll learn. Now, this story is in Judges 16. If you haven't read it or it's been a while, go and brush up on it. Um, Judges chapter 16, but that's just their story together, you know, as Samson and Delilah, and also covers the end of Samson's life. But we actually meet Samson in the Bible um, a few chapters before. So we meet him in Judges chapter 13. So let's talk briefly about the circumstances of his birth. So his mother was actually barren, you know, unable to have children, but an angel promised her that she would become pregnant and her child would begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. Now, remember, we're in the part of the Bible, we're in the part of biblical history where the Israelites 
um, offend God and then are going in and out of this cycle where they have a judge and they got some act right. And then, and then they do something against God and he allows them, you know, another nation to conquer them. So we're in this cycle of on and off judges. So the angel promises his mom that, um, that she, that she will have a son and she will have a child, but there are rules, no wine, no alcoholic drink, no forbidden food. When the baby is born, his hair must never be cut. He was to be consecrated to God. And he's what they call a Nazarite, someone who is sacred, doesn't cut their hair, abstains from impure things, can't even touch a corpse, you know, to stay pure and clean. Nazarite guidelines are found in Numbers, in Numbers chapter 6. And I was doing, you know, just a just some brief studying on this. Um, Arinthia and I were both, you know, get, compiling some data about this Nazarite lifestyle. And on the Jewish virtual library website, I found that uh, it says since hair continues to grow throughout life, and apparently for a time after death, it was considered by the ancients to be the seat of a man's vitality and life force. So with Samson's, you know, strength, it makes sense that that would be tied to his hair. And uh, we also learned that it was a ritual custom of the heathens to cut their hair, their beard, you know, um, into special shapes. And those shapes would honor a particular pagan deity that they wished to worship or honor, um, you know, to like, especially to the sun god Ra. And so you can see the difference here. It, it makes sense that, you know, over here they're cutting their hair and cutting shapes into it. And then for purity, the, Israeli, the Israelites and, and, and Jews over here are growing it and keeping it long. So that difference makes sense. So they're, they're in opposition of each other. Remember I said we're in this biblical period of on and off judges and on, you know, good and bad behavior of the Israelites where they go into bondage for a amount of years and then have a judge again. Samson, where he falls in this timeline is actually as the last judge. He rules for 20 years, but he is the last judge of Israel. And Samson is a player, okay? He is a player. I don't know what you want to call it. Womanizer, Casanova, Romeo, heartbreaker. Before we actually get to the story of him and Delilah, uh, we see him in a few reckless relationships. You know, he's already been married. He's lying with a prostitute. You know, he's just, we get that idea from him, okay? Uh, he is handsome, he is strong, and he knows it, and women like him, and boy does he like them. That's the setup that I see. Now, you're going to find lots of stories about Samson's adventures and killings, you know, all about his strength between chapters 13 and 16. But for today, we are going to jump right into chapter 16, where we meet Delilah, a woman from the Valley of Sorek, so says the Bible, and Delilah is his new obsession. Uh, the Philistine rulers, they know this. And they come to Delilah and they ask her to do some espionage work. So she is a spy. Um, they ask her to find out what makes Samson so strong. Their goal was to overpower him, tie him up, defeat him. Now, now, when you read the previous chapters, you realize like he has made a fool of some of the Philistines. He's, you know, he's a menace to them. And so they definitely just want to get rid of him. So in exchange for this information, in exchange for her espionage, they will give her 1,100 pieces of silver or shekels. 
Um, that's about 28 pounds of silver, okay? Now, the Bible says they're each going to give that to her. Now, we don't know how many rulers there are, but they're each giving her 1,100 pieces of silver. And to me, it just sounds like sis is about to be paid, okay? She's about to be paid, and she's like, okay, I got you. I bet. Let's do this. Yeah, I'll set him up for you. I'll deliver him into your hands. So she's playing the role of a traitor here. So Delilah's mission is to find out his strength. You know, the Philistines know that unless they figure out how to diminish his strength, they're not going to be able to conquer this great superhero, Samson. So she asks him, in the first time, you see it in verse 6, and she says, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Um, For me, it's like a uh, 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 red flag right here because what kind of question is this, guys? Okay, I, I, I see, okay, I might ask, I might ask him the secret of his strength, but she's not just saying, tell me your secret. You can see her intent and the danger of that intent because she says how you can be tied up and subdued. Talk about warning signs. Um, that to me was just like, uh, hello. <laughs> you can see the purpose of her asking the question is a little dangerous. Why are we still, you know, communing with this lady? But Samson loves her. He is blinded by his obsession with her. And because this is between the verses, you know we're always going to have an application for us. And so what we see here is Samson making a sacrifice, but we have to put ourselves in there too. You know, do we sacrifice God's promise or safety or, or the destiny he has for us because we're blinded by something? Blinded by even just like, just like Samson, a person. Blinded by someone we know we shouldn't be with or who doesn't have the best intentions for you. If we ignore the word of God and follow our feelings that are contrary to him, then there's always going to be consequences, severe consequences to pay for that. So what irritates me, guys, as I'm sure it bothers you too when you read this story, is that the amount of times that she does this, right? The amount of times that she asks and he lies and she asks and he lies, that happens three times. And we know that Samson knows something is wrong because he we can see him see the betrayal in the setup. And we know he's smart enough not to tell her because he lies to her. So, you know, he lies. She tells the, um, you know, the rulers and they're hidden in rooms of her home and they jump out and she'll scream. I'm sure she's a wonderful actress. And she's like, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. They've come upon you. And there he is, you know, in full knowledge, seeing with his very own eyes that she is betraying him. So let's go over the times that he lies. So he first says that it's going to take new bowstrings, okay? The Bible says that he snaps them as if, you know, strings burn with fire. Then he says, okay, tie me up with brand new ropes. Make sure they're brand new now, baby. <laughs> so she does that. And he snaps it, you know, as if they were thread, says the Bible. Number three, he says, okay, weave my, weave my hair, you know, braid my hair into seven. Take these seven braids and put them into the fabric of your loom. But he woke up and yanked his hair away very easily. 
something real interesting about these three times he lies to me is that third time because I feel like it it involves his hair and I feel like that's dangerously close to the truth and I'm not sure what he was testing with that because he already had the two prior times knowing you know that she was gonna tell he can see her true colors and so I just thought that was interesting you know that 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 third time just came dangerously close to the truth at this point, you know, if if my dear co-host was here, I think Arinthia would be like, why wasn't he just like, nah, shawty, you got to bounce. I know that uh, Arinthia adds that little spice. I hope you're not missing it too much. I hope I'm giving it to you a little bit. But um, yeah, he he stays. He stays and he lies, knows it's dangerous, but he stays. Ooh, you know what, One Love Nation? I just had a thought that that didn't even occur to me during studying, but it but it it just came to me. Do we do that? You know, overestimate our ability to remain in close proximity to sin and wrongdoing and places we know we shouldn't be, thinking we can handle it, um, thinking that we can go without the presence of God for long periods of time and still handle everything okay? Do we flirt with the line of sin, you know, and think that, now I got this, now I know when to stop. You know, that's that's a dangerous place to be, a dangerous place to be. Let's read between the verses again. And what I see here in the story after all of these failed attempts, I think the rulers were getting frustrated with Delilah. Remember, she's a spy. She's on a mission. And, and this, is, this is work. And they have an agreement. They have a payment agreement. And I think they came to her at this point And they're like, look, look, D, Samson straight up playing you like she he's playing you and we're not going to keep coming here every week just to witness him make a fool of you and trick you like we ain't got time for this every single week you got one more time and the deal is off the table we ain't gonna pay you nothing so i'm thinking the pressure the pressure was on and she felt that pressure so she applied the pressure so in verse 16 you can see it says, and it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. And I put that pause there for a reason. I just wanted that to just sit in the air for a little bit. Vexed unto death. That's serious. Vexed here means grieved or shortened. So essentially, Samson felt as if he would die. His soul was impatient, he couldn't bear it, and he felt that his life would be shortened for her nagging. <laughs> the nagging of a woman, huh? The Bible talks about it, okay? Proverbs 21 verse 9, it is better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. Again in Proverbs 27 verse 15, a quarrelsome wife is as annoying as constant dripping on a rainy day. I never want these things to be said of me ever as a wife okay this is horrible but basically that's what Delilah is doing okay she's nagging him she's asking him day after day and urging him until his soul was vexed and then she puts the icing on top Bay, don't you love me because I'm feeling like you don't love me because if you love me you would tell me you would trust me more than other people and you would tell me the secret and I'm I'm not sure what else she did to sweeten that pot. I don't know what kind of sugar she gave him. I don't know. I really don't know. 
But she sweet-talked and loved that man and caressed that man into telling his secret. I don't even know why she's talking about love. You know, how is any of this love? I honestly feel like his love was not even reciprocated. So I'm not sure why he felt so strongly about this situationship, you know? She was manipulating him. She was playing him. She's good at what she does. I don't know what to say. Because, you know, when you read the story, you don't see one time, one time where it says Delilah loved Samson. You do not see that at all. Verse four says that, you know, Samson fell in love with the woman from the Valley of Sorek, but not once do you see it. I mean, definitely not in her actions, but not once does the Bible actually mention that she, that she loved Samson. I don't know. Maybe she was whispering sweet nothings of love into his ear. I'm sure, you know, she could be lying. She's playing the role. She's a traitor, but the Bible doesn't actually say that. And we can tell she does not obviously doesn't love him or she loves she loves those um sets of 1100 pieces of silver more than she more than she loves him this is a good point this is a good part to mention that Samson and Delilah weren't just kicking it like they weren't just hanging out they they were Netflix and chilling with all the innuendos of today's society they were coming in unto each other as we like to say uh, you know, in our Bible terms for, for the type of intimacy that they, that I'm sure they were engaging in because of this type of bond, because of Samson's history, we know what he's into. And then you can just tell that their intimacy, at least for him, is strong. So, you know, we got to do an application here. Samson's desire for Delilah was deeper than his devotion to his God. And this is where it becomes idolatry, right? Idolatry is more than bowing to little g-gods. You know, we tend to think of it as just like the Philistines worshipped the um, the god Dagon. We, we tend to think, oh, you know, I believe in the one true God. Idolatry is not going to be a problem. But idolatry is whenever we give anything or anyone more priority, attention, devotion, resources in our lives, more of that goes to that object than what we give to God. And as you know, it can be sometimes very difficult to see that the things in our lives are getting to that point. Because sometimes Sometimes they seem innocuous, you know, sometimes it's our job, sometimes it's just something that it doesn't have to be this graven image that you're placing, that you're believing in or praying to or some spirit world entity, you know, that's not the entirety of idolatry. But let's go to verse 19. After putting him to sleep on her lap, you see all that intimacy going on there. And also another application, if if I may, you know, he's asleep in the enemy's lap, right? And sometimes we fall asleep in the lap of sin and we stay there too long until it is too late. She was making him feel comfortable. She was giving him cuddles and kisses. And sometimes sin can be that alluring to us and we can't sense the danger, Verse 20, that next verse, it's so heartbreaking for me. Guys, it's so heartbreaking for me because she does her act. She cries out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And when Samson woke up, he just thought to himself, the Bible says he just thought, you know, I'm just going to 
do like I did before, shake this off, ain't nothing, move on. And he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. And that really bothered me. Like he didn't realize the difference this time. He had told his secret and she used it against him. And the power, the promise that God had given him, his strength had left him. And he was so comfortable in the lap of sin, in the lap of the enemy, that he didn't notice how far he was from his, from his creator. Oh, that bothers me. Ouch. Like it just... Are we in that position? Are we ever in that position where we can't tell how far we have come from the Lord, how far we have gone? And I don't know why Samson thought he was free from the consequences, why he just thought, you know, God's got me. He's not going to let me, you know, suffer the consequences of my choices. But but we serve a God of that gives us free will and he doesn't force his will upon us. And so because of that, we do go through the consequences of our choices and our actions. And man, this fatal attraction for Samson, it came with some dear consequences. So, you know, the enemy, he, he doesn't have his strength. The enemy comes upon him. They gouge out his eyes and they make him grind grain in prison, you know? And this is Think think of like a dark dungeon and they've got that millstone, you know, so there's a stone and they throw the grain on there and there's a stone sitting on top of the stone and he walks around in a circle, you know, pushing it and that grinds the grain and he's blind and he's in some damp, dark place and they've conquered their menace. And I was wondering, what is he thinking you know, what is he thinking during those moments? I'm sure he's regretting his choices. I'm sure he's cursing Delilah. I'm sure he's thinking, what have I done? What have I done? He's missing his family. He's feeling lonely. He's feeling like God has left him. Certainly the promise of his strength has has left him. And I'm sure he just feels completely depressed. It's a good part to to pause here and say that Samson, despite this tragic end, he is still mentioned in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11, you know, that infamous chapter in Hebrews, he's still mentioned there. Despite this choice that he's made, he's still mentioned. And I think that's like a praise report for us. I think it's encouraging for us because we will mess up. And certainly we don't want to, and, and that's not the ultimate God the ultimate plan God has for us, but God can use the backslidden, the disobedient, the weak, the faithless to accomplish his will. It doesn't matter how righteous or how rebellious you are. We, we cannot deter God from carrying out his plan for our lives, from trying to carry out the plan that he has for us, his good and perfect plan for us. And even though he chose rebellion, Samson was used to fulfill God's purpose, even though he strayed from the God-given call in the way God would have had it play out. And I think this is a perfect portrait of the Lord's sovereignty. When his children rebel and they fall from grace, God takes he takes this mess that we create, he takes this mess and he orchestrates it to achieve his perfect will. And I think we can rejoice that God is ultimately in control and that he can use our weakness and our insufficiencies for his glory. And isn't that what Jesus loves to do? We see it all throughout the scriptures. He likes using someone just so unlikely, something so insignificant in such a great way. 
And so even though our life pursuit should be to allow God's will to, you know, play out for our lives and for our purpose, when we fail, I think we can take comfort in the fact that God uses our failures, he uses our mess up, and his will will still be carried out. So, you know, we can go over the tragic end here. Um, the Philistines are having a party and they're making a sacrifice to their God. Samson's brought to the to the party as a mockery, you know, as entertainment for them to laugh at and, and, and rejoice how they've overcome their menace. And, you know, he's asked to be guided to the pillars. He's blind, so he asked someone to guide him to the pillars of the building. And he prays for, he prays to his God. And he asks for his strength to be restored just one last time. And he pushes those pillars. God grants his request, and he has the strength to push them down. And the whole building goes down. And in that, in that moment, on that day, he killed more Philistines than while he was alive. And he killed Philistines, okay? He killed Philistines during his life. But on that day, he was able to kill more than ever before in his life. And, you know, eventually his family comes and they, they gather his body and they bury him. Sin has its consequences and we should never forget that. We cannot forget that. Our choices, our bad choices, our decisions to stray from God, even when we come back and even though he can use them, we have to go through the consequences because we serve a God who wants a willing follower, who wants our hearts because we chose to place it in his hands. So One Love Nation, it's not going to be too long today since I'm um, by myself. You know, it's going to be shorter than usual. But for me in this story, I want us to focus on the fatal attraction. And that's why we titled it that, Fatal Attraction. And I want each of us, you know, Arinthia and I are not excluded. Like all of us need to look at what we are fatally attracted to in this life, the things that are going to pull us away from our Savior, the things that are going to pull us away from what he wants to do in our lives. Because we all have something that we are fatally attracted to, something that we're going to keep going back to that God is pulling us away from that is not good for us. What is that fatal attraction and what is it going to cost us? Unfortunately for Samson, his fatal attraction cost him his life. It cost him his life. And during our time here on earth, being fatally attracted to sin, being pulled away from our Savior can cost us eternal life. And it's cute to say, it's easy to say, but when you feel the weight of that, like really feel the weight that something on this temporal plane of earth could pull you away from spending eternity with your creator, it's not worth it. It is not worth it. And I want us all to be able to go to heaven and walk those streets of gold and live up in the mansion that God made for us and talk to Jesus and to be able to sing the song of overcoming that the angels cannot join in on because they don't understand how we were bought with a price and redeemed to our Savior. Arinthia is going to make fun of me for this, but that's a song and, and that's what just came to my 
to my mind, holy, holy is what the angels sing, and I expect to help them make the courts of heaven ring. But when I sing redemption story, they will fold their wings, for angels never felt the joys that our salvation brings. One Love Nation, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for walking us through this Bible story. Thank you for helping us to read between the verses and pull out the gems. And it's my prayer that every time we read this story and other stories, we will find something new that you want to plant into our minds and into our hearts. And today, Lord, we're asking that you will reveal to us what is our fatal attraction, what will cost us an eternity with you, Lord. We want to find it and we want to stamp it out because all we want is you. We want your will for our lives. We want to be used by you. And we don't want anything to distract us from that mission. Thank you, Lord, for being patient with us and for loving us and for dying for us and for wanting to save us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for being here for episode 60. We love each and every one of you. Thank you for listening. Uh, before I sign off, I want to ask for special prayers for the newborn baby of dear friends of mine, and her name is Michaela. And if you could just lift her up in prayer this week, she is in the NICU and she needs the saints to pray for her um, and, and pray that she'll grow healthy and strong. Thank you for doing that, One Love Nation. And I'm signing off. Love you. Gracias a todos. Te amo. Bye. Hey, One Love Nation. Thanks for listening to the One Love, One Faith podcast. We love our listeners and hope you'll join us again next week. Please share the One Love, One Faith podcast and always remember that each day is an opportunity to show his love and grow your faith.